everyone, and welcome to another amazing episode of The Joy of Being for busy working moms and women in business and beyond who are seeking to unplug from their worries and overwhelm to light up with insight and joy. I, your host, mum, and effortless lifestyle coach, Marina Pearson, talk to transformational professionals, business owners, and creatives about what it really takes to have a business and life you can truly enjoy. And remember, you can find me on Instagram at Marina Pearson or my Facebook group, The Joy of Being. And if you'd like a more personalized touch to live a stress-free life, then why not find out more about The Joy of Being Retreat, an intimate four-day profound experience at a luxury venue in Javier, Spain, where you get to experience your inner calm and peace of mind by slowing down and making space. To find out more, email me at marina marinapearson.com with Joy of Being Retreat in the title. And on today's show, I get to interview Bernadette Doyle, who works with successful businesswomen who are challenged by too many ideas, but not enough time and really want to simplify their business so that they can make more money by working in a smarter way. What makes her unique is that she's not only built one home-based business to the million dollar level, but two first time she did it by working hard getting busier and frankly doing a lot of stuff that she didn't really want to do but thought she had to do it to be successful then she had a huge wake-up call when her son nearly died that caused her to reevaluate everything the second time she decided to actually simplify her business model that could work around her family and allows her plenty of time off even though she no longer leads business events outside of her hometown. She's still able to connect and serve clients all around the world. And because of this, she is now able to do the same for her clients. The truth is there are many ways to make money. So it's not how much you make, but how you make it. So she created Online Profits University to help people like you to create an online business that leads to a true freedom lifestyle a lifestyle where you make money on your terms or living a life you love it's her desire to help every woman and mum step by step to build an online asset generating long-term sustainable passive profits online and that's exactly what we talked about in fact uh, the title of this should make it pretty obvious what we talked about on this podcast which is firing your way to freedom so often we think that we have to put in the hours that we're the ones that have to do all the work but actually that's just not true and halfway through this interview I had a massive insight that actually totally and utterly changed and has changed the way I work up until this point I thought I was living a freedom lifestyle until I realized that I wasn't And it was in this conversation that that all changed. In fact, now I uh, make sure that I have systems and processes in business in place so that I have much more freedom, which definitely weren't there before. So if you were anything like me in terms of doing a lot, but doing it the hard way, um, and you don't have any systems and processes in place, and you're working all hours under the sun and you're wondering how the hell you're going to manage to do anything that you need to do, then this is going to be an enormously helpful conversation as it was for me. So come and join us. Until then, bye-bye for now. So I'm really excited today to have the amazing Bernadette Doyle. Uh, I've known Bernadette now for the last almost, yeah, I guess a year and a half. Um, I met her at Ann Wilson event, but I'd heard about her before. And I just love the way that she does things and her heart and her passion about women like me and people like me, entrepreneurs having an online business. And she does it really, really well. So welcome, Bernadette. Um, Thank welcome. you. Um, so Bernadette, what got you onto this journey of, of running your online business? <laughs> I think I always knew that I wanted to have my own business, even from when I was at school. Um, I grew up with parents who had their own business. Um, they ran a pub. My role models in my teens, while other people had Morrissey and people like that up in there, that dates me, <laughs> up on their bedroom wall. <laughs> I was reading Richard Branson's, uh, he didn't have a biography then, it was autobiographies. And honestly, by the time I was about 19 or 20, I reckon I could have done Mastermind with Richard Branson as my specialist subject. 
because by that point I'd read three different biographies of him. And I was, I also worked as an assistant in the body shop. And I don't know if you remember the founder of the body shop was Anita Roddick. Yeah. And in the eighties, she was really being looked to and heralded as this, this sort of, you know, sort of powerful businesswoman. And uh, I was lucky enough to meet her as well. And uh, so those, those were my heroes. So I always knew I wanted to have my own business. By the time I was 26, I'd started my own business. And by the time I was uh, 29, I'd learned every limitation there is to running your own business. Because most people start a business to have more freedom. And I felt anything but free. And um, I felt my business was successful, but it was a business that it only worked when I was working in it. And so for me to take time off, even for two weeks, would have meant that the income plummeted. And all of the time I was trying to grow the business. And I thought, okay, well, I can fix this by hiring more people. And then the people needed offices that added more overhead. And they needed desks and their equipment, which added more expenses. And then they needed managing, which took more of my time away from what I was really great at, which was selling and, and delivering training to clients. So I realized all the limitations. And one of the things that had entered my head at this time was um, I come across this quote by Robert Kiyosaki. He'd written Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And in that, he basically said, if you don't have a business that you can walk away from and then three months later come back to find it running better and more efficiently than when you left, you don't have a business, you have a job. And I was like, oh my goodness, I have a job. And I have a job without holiday pay, without any of the perks or any of the security that I had when I was working for Procter & Gamble, my first employer. And um, I'm like, okay, well, I need to find a way to generate income without me physically being there all the time. And so that's when I started looking at productizing. So I created this product. If I'd have known we would talk about it, I would have brought a copy to show you. But this product was called Opening Lines Made Easy. And it was um, to help people. I was helping people with cold calling. And so it was a really small piece of cold calling, which is what to say in the first few seconds. And I'd had this cool little formula and I put it into this book, which is about maybe 40 or 50 pages. And people could work through the workbook and come up with their own opening lines. And um, I started to sell it. And that was really exciting because it's like, okay, I can make that was it changed that belief. I can make money without always having to show up to make the money. And that was, uh, that was like the first step in me starting to shift that belief. But um, the way that the, it was set up, it was a physical product. So again, this will date me. We used to do something called fax broadcasting, which was where we'd give a one pager and we'd give it to a fax broadcasting company that we would pay a fee to. And in exchange, they would then, fax out this to you know thousands of people and it was a one page uh sort of a nat flyer that had an order form at the bottom and then we used to have like the fax machine in my office would ring and this little fax would come through and someone had filled out their credit card details to order this book and then i or a member of my team would take our master copy from the shelf and we would walk down to a little uh, call quick, which was five minutes away. We would ask them to photocopy and bind a copy for us. And then we'd take it to the post office and post it out. And that was my first foray into uh, passive income. Only clearly, it's not that pa It was definitely an improvement from how I'd made money before, but it wasn't passive. So around this time, I'd mentored with a lady called Dottie Walters. And Dottie... It's funny how many people I meet today that um, were mentored by Dottie. So she did a lot with speakers and national, uh, in the National Speakers Association in the U.S. And she'd written a book called Speak and Go, Grow Rich. And I flew out to her ranch in California uh, to spend a weekend with her and learn about you know, her, her business and secrets. And we'd stayed in touch. She really took me under her wing. She was like a really special mentor for me. And um, I always get a bit emotional when I <laughs> see. I know this is why I like talking to you, Marina, because I know it's okay that I have these moments. And um, yeah, <laughs> God, God bless Dottie Walters. God bless Dottie Walters. She was someone who, you know, you meet those people that they they can just see the possibilities that you you don't even you can't even start to believe for yourself. She she really could see it she could see what was possible for me and she took me under her wing and she stayed in touch with me. And so we, we have these occasional phone calls 
of course this is pre-skype and all of that so we were proper, <laughs> we were proper on the phone talking to each other transatlantic phone calls with her in california me in oxford and on one of these calls she told me about someone who'd come to speak at one of her events and she said it's really incredible bernadette she's selling downloadable reports over the internet now for me to date this this was in the summer of 2000 right so 18 years ago yeah so a downloadable report over the internet i completely get that today that is not a big deal you know we buy kindle books and we buy all sorts of things that are downloadable instantly over the internet but that was like light years ahead of where we were back then and Dottie said, so it's really amazing, Bernadette. You know, they come along, they put in their credit card and they just download the report they want and the money goes into her bank and it's all de- delivered automatically. And when I heard this, I was like, oh my God, that's the business. Because I realized that even, you know, it was cool that I figured out a way to sell these books, but I still required an office for the fax order to come into. I needed the fax line. I needed an office. I needed someone physically. It didn't have to be me, but someone had to go and get it printed and shipped and all of that. So we call that fulfillment. And, you know, that was, a, that, that was a, the, the, the fulfillment was manual. And when, I, when she described that to me, I was like, oh my goodness. And I could see this is a business that would mean no geographical limitations. I could run it from anywhere that I had a, a laptop and an internet connection. And I was like, I want that. And I was determined I was going to find a way to figure out how to do this business online. But there was no click funnels. There was no Infusionsoft. There was <laughs> one shopping cart might have been around there, but I hadn't heard of them at that point. So that was the start of my online business journey. But I, you know, to answer your question, how did I, how did I get on this journey? I, I had a dream and I had a laptop. And I had a willingness to get started. And to be honest, I still think that even today, those are the only things you need. A dream, a vision. Yeah, you are going to need a laptop or one that you can borrow if you don't own one. And a willingness to get started where you are. That's it. <laughs> That's so beautiful. And often we can complicate it so much, can't we? Um, we think it's much more difficult than it actually is. But I know that it takes patience. It takes time it takes the willingness to keep going because <laughs> mm. <laughs> it's not always you know pretty and yeah there are moments that we 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 don't see it so clearly and and we have to just take a step back and just take a deep breath and, and move move on and carry on well even before you talk about getting going the first thing is to get started yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, you can only keep going if you've already started and I Funnily enough, I was having a call. You know, I was on a call before I spoke to you, and we were discussing this very thing. Um, my boys now are at the end of their primary school year, so my eldest is just about to leave primary school. And I was thinking this morning that um, I've personally found, and this might not be everybody's experience, but I'm a single mum as well. So, But I was thinking about how, in some ways, um, they need me more now than they ever did when they were smaller. So like they really need me much more for things that can come up at school, like social things or relationships or whatever. And so I was thinking that, you know, gosh, when they were smaller, yeah, of course it's demanding. You've got a three-year-old, so you know just how physically exhausting it can be, you know, managing that little human or, you know, coexisting with that little human. Um, but I found that as I've got older, their physical needs aren't so great. But in my experience, their emotional needs have got greater. And I was thinking, I wonder what would have happened. Because when I really committed, that, that was all, everything that I just described to you, that all happened in the years BC, before children. <laughs> and, and by the time I found out that I was expecting my first son, I had come a long way um, in that I, I had a website and I had a, a list and I, I had a, an email mailing list and I had a product at least yeah at least one product I had so I'd, I'd done a lot in that time but I still really felt I was just playing mm-hmm. I, I knew that I hadn't really committed to it and I was coasting a little bit and it, it was okay and when I found out I was expecting Ben and I was like oh my god right this you know the safety net of going and doing training for corporates that's gone because that's 
that's not going to be compatible with being a mum of a very young baby and, and traveling and staying overnight in hotels. That's not going to work. So at that moment, I'm like, I have to now make this business really work. Cause uh, so up until then, I, I, I hadn't fully committed. I was, I was more than dabbling. I was definitely more than dabbling, but I, I wasn't all in. So I wasn't fully committed. And at that moment, I'm like, okay, well, this is it. I've got to make this work now. It's now or never. And I was thinking this morning, um, like the stories we tell ourselves to delay taking action. So um, I could have said at that point, well, do you know what? In God's plan, you know, baby's on the way. So these next few years, they're going to be my family time. So I need to prioritize that. And maybe I'll just put the, that, that dream, that vision I had for that business that gave me tingles when Dottie talked to me about it. I'll just shove that to one side. But then I realized if I'd have done that, then I would have gone, okay, well, once the kids are at school, then I'll get started. But I now know that if, if I'd have waited till the kids went to school, then I would have gone, okay, well, I'll get them settled in and then I'll get started. But then they've got into the last couple of years, exact, this, we have this thing about transfer tests at sort of age 10 and 11 in Northern Ireland. So that's really taken over the last couple of years. So it would have been, well, now we're dealing with this. So then I'll get started. I, and I know that if I hadn't have really committed at that moment and actually got started even way before that, when I you know, first started taking action inspired by Dottie, um, I would still be talking about this. This would be a dream. And, and, and I would still be telling myself, this is something that I'm going to get started someday. So I, I, I'm really passionate about this. You, if, you've got a, if you've got a vision for something, you need to start where you are. Because that vision, that is not your fantasy. Like that, to me, that's like your higher self calling you forward and going, step this way, like giving you little glimpses of what's possible. Hmm. And then our part in that, in responding to that calling, to order that, that glimpse, is to start where you are. Nobody ever starts out with perfect conditions. Richard Branson started his business as an A-level student. And as you know, I've just told you, I could, he would be my specialist subject and mastermind, so I know this for certain. But he started, um, a, he was going down to the phone box at the end of the lane. He didn't even have a phone inside of the school that he could use. So he was going down to the phone box and selling ads for his student magazine <laughs> from a phone box. Wow. <laughs> but, like, that's... That's, it's that same do what you can where you are attitude, I think, has like led him to having the business success that he has. Hmm. Yeah, I love that, Bernadette. You know, the, the sense of there are so many things that we could believe, you know, and put things off and put things off and put things off. Um, and it's just taking that first step. It's a bit like... You know, when our children started to walk, they didn't learn how to walk right from the set get-go. They, 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 they explored it and then they started taking the step and then they fell over and then they got up and then they, they started taking the steps. Um, and, and then at some point they started to walk and then not only did they walk, they actually started to run um, and then fall off things <laughs> and jump. And, and yeah, so we don't like, if we don't get started, we'll never know. We'll never know what the journey had had for us, but also in getting started, we're able to learn from those things. Like I've, like for me, what I've learned over the years is that if I don't take action, I won't have insights into the very thing that I'm doing and I won't have the clarity. I'll sit there and, 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 kind of imagine what it might be like but the learning comes from taking the action right absolutely so it's funny because um you talked about keeping going and I said well before you can keep going you need to take action and there's this uh little phrase that I share with my clients that we call TOC so TOC stands for take action observe your results course correct and then keep going Hmm. So that, you know, so it's, it's still there. <laughs> but the, 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 the whole point is like, you, you won't have any results to observe until you take action and you, you can think about things and you can visualize things, 
and you can dream about things. You can do that as much as you like, but at some point you have to take the first step. And the sooner you take the first step, the sooner you get feedback. So, um, you know, there's a saying, it's easier to turn a boat that's moving in the wrong direction than it is to turn a boat that's not moving. Because if you're moving, you have momentum. And, uh, you know, I mentioned Richard Branson there, and I'll speak about my own business journey as well. Like lots, for me to get to the point that I am now where I have an online business that, you know, money's flowing is as I'm sitting here talking to you and people are joining my list and sales are being made, etc. The reason that that's happening is because I made lots of mistakes and I was willing to take action to get the feedback. Like, that doesn't work. Okay, that doesn't work. Next, that doesn't work. And you just, you take enough action before you know it, you're going to be on a course that is taking you the direction that you want. But it, it can only be when you take action. So what would you say to someone that has been thinking about getting an online business for a while? And because, you know, I see a lot of solopreneurs out there who who spend a lot of time in sort of putting themselves out there and doing all the grunt work and then having to be in there, like the job part, right? So, so why aren't they doing it? Why are they not, you know, doing the thing that they need to do in order for them to create the result that they really want, which is to have more time, more freedom to be able to do whatever they want with it. I mean, we've talked about, excuses but you know over the years I'm sure you've seen it more and more is there a pattern is there a certain type of profile what is it so um are you so you're describing someone who has got started but they're working in the business versus on the business is that what you're asking me about yeah yeah so what what that comes down to is is your plan so um when uh, I, so <laughs> there is a lot of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? There is a lot of approval given to the hustle and grind model mm. of achievement. And I mean, I'm sitting here going, absolutely, you need to take action. But I think that when you think about, when you envision your business, it's really important to think about how you want it to be at the end and make sure that you start your journey there as well. So one of my sayings is, it's not how much you make, it's how you make it and how much of it you keep. (laughs) So if you want, I could absolutely lay out a plan for you that would generate you 100K in the next 30 to 45 days and show you how to turn that into a million over the next 12 months. 100%. I know I could do that with you right now from where you are. But there would be, in order for you to make that work, there would be a, a high degree of hustle. And, and so where, where is that going to take you in the long term? Like, so, you, so 12 months from now, great, you're looking at... Uh, you've got a six figure business, um, probably, uh, a son that needs therapy because you haven't been there for him. You need therapy because you haven't been there for yourself. <laughs> God knows what price you're paying in terms of the breakdown of your health, you know, your family systems and all of that. So yeah, it's a model that make you money, but is it really going to get you what you want? Now, I know, I know that freedom is one of your highest values. And, um, so that's really important to you. So the thing is, is to design your business so that has that in from day one. Like Stephen Covey, the late Stephen Covey, who wrote Seven Habits of Highly Effective People said, begin with the end in mind. So one of the things that, one of the beliefs that exists in our mainstream is that we have to sacrifice in the short term in order to gain long-term rewards. So you'll see this over and over. You'll see people who say, well, I'm going to start off a chain of coffee shops and I've got a five-year plan. I'm going to work really hard for the next five years and then my exit is I'm going to sell it and I'm going to go and sit on a beach the rest of my life. Um, And so that, and I think that is so prevalent that it can creep in. I'm aware of it. And yet even I find sometimes that 
um, I started doing something on my business and I'm like, what am I doing? Like, this has now become a job. So I'm just like really, I'm really sort of attuned to when is it, when is it joy? When is it like, this is natural flowing and, and where, what I'm meant to be doing versus where it becomes a job. And the thing that really makes the difference is to trust that for every single one of us, there is a plan. There is a plan for us, even if we can't see it yet. And I, and I think it's, I think taking action is part of us saying yes to seeing that plan unfold. So Doreen Virtue says, God doesn't give us our dreams without giving the ability to make them happen. So one thing that I appreciated early on was, uh, and actually this happened when I found out I was expecting JJ. Um, so JJ is my second child. So um, my business was uh, really starting to get some momentum. And for some reason, and I've ne- I still haven't figured out why this was so important to me, but I wanted to reach a million dollars of revenue in my business. So around the summer of 2007, I was on track and I'm like, next year, 2008, that's going to be my year. That's going to be the year that I hit the million. And then I found out I was expecting JJ. And when I found out I was expecting him, my first thought was, oh, well, if I'm having a baby next year, that's the million dollar plan out the window. And then I caught myself and I went, hold on a second. I had a vision to reach a million dollars next year. And the next thing I, that's happened in my life is I'm pregnant. So what if instead of this being the obstacle to me reaching a million, what if this is actually part of the way that I reach the million? And when I uh, opened up to that as a possibility, all sorts, so I didn't, I didn't abandon the idea of reaching the million. I didn't set it to one side, but, but it would have been very easy to do that. And I just like, well, okay, so it's, I'm having a baby and I'm going to reach a million. I don't know how to do that. Because <laughs> <laughs> I remember what it was like with the first one. I'm not sure that this is going to work. But because I've had the experience with Bannon, I then set about putting all sorts of things in place in my life. And one big one was support. So I'm like, when this baby comes, I know I'm going to need support. And I know I'm going to really want to take time out of the business. So I need to make sure that I've got support in the business. I need to make sure I've got support at home. And I had been putting off putting certain systems in place in my business. So I hadn't started batching my content creation and things like that. And I remember it was about two months before JJ was actually born that I was writing in one day all of the articles that I needed to, to sort of fulfill my content needs the next three months. And I remember thinking at the time, God, if you think working to a deadline makes you effective, this is the power of working to a birth line. Because <laughs> <laughs> I got so much done um, in, in terms of like putting things in place in the business. But in hindsight, I can now see that those systems, baby or no baby, those systems were necessary for me, re, me to reach the million dollars in my business. I wouldn't have hit a million dollars without those systems. And it was the, you know, the impending baby that motivated and galvanized me into putting those in place. So I share that as an example of all the time we are telling ourselves, I I want X, but I can't because, and I think it's really helpful to start looking at, instead of looking at obstacles as the reason that you can't have something start to look at like maybe that is God answering your prayers maybe that is you know you might not say God you might say your higher mind your intuition whatever but maybe it is that going this way so that makes a huge difference yeah I love that and as I heard you talk I kind of was reminded of something that I've seen recently for myself which is you know I used to think that I had to do everything on my own and then realized that actually that probably wasn't the best use of my time. And then recently I've seen that I'm not willing to do that anymore. Like there's been a shift in, well, if I'm not going to do it, who can? And 
what do I need to do so that I don't have to be involved? Like that was a really, really important question because I started to see that I had to be involved. Even when I, when I had a team, when I have a, you know, I've got a small team of two, but you know, still that they're people that, that rely on me to share what I need to get done. And I'm like, hang on a second. Why am I so invaluable to this system? I don't need to be. So I sat back and went, okay, so there are some processes that need to happen here so that the work can get done. Okay, they can come to me, but not for every single detail. And I need to put those in place because there's been a moment of like, I'm done. Like that is almost like I'm done. I arrived here. I'm now done. I'm moving on from this. I don't want to do this anymore. Mm. Like it's got to the point of like, this makes no sense. Mm. Um, what you're saying there reminds me of, of the message that really hit home the first time I, I met Richard Branson. So in 2011, I got to be in a mastermind group and we went to Necker Island and we got to like literally mastermind with Richard. And it wasn't like a meet and greet handshake. He was with us for a week, having meals with us, joining us for breakfast, playing tennis, coming out on sailing trips with us and that sort of thing. And I've heard him say this a few times now, and he was saying, well, you, you've just got to fire yourself. And he was talking about how, and it, how he does business mm. is uh, he'll, he'll, he gets his vision for what the business is going to be. And in the first sort of four to five months, he's intensively involved in that business, like giving himself to that business and it might be his connections. It might be his ability to get certain people on the phone, but he's, he's in there like making things happen. But in anything that he does, like he basically has a four to five month exit strategy. So he's looking at how quickly do I get to move on from this? Uh, so that I can now leave this as like this sort of self governing system that generates income. And when I was on that, I've been lucky to go back there. Like this is, my next trip with my my sixth trip, but I I heard him saying to someone who was um, had a really successful finance business and has got a business that he's the face of. So he's the one that kind of goes and meets the clients, and he's got a team then that take over and deal with that. But he's still stuck in his business more than he wants to be. And Richard was saying to him, "You you really just want to get that business. Once you can get that business running without you, you can do anything." And when I first heard Richard talk about this, I was like, how do I fire myself from my business? Because one of the things that I do in my business is I have conversations like this and I do interviews and I do Facebook lives and I teach clients and I teach clients in person. I've also found a way to teach clients without me being in there in person. But I actually enjoy being with clients in person. Like That's something I don't want to fire myself from. And for me, and I think, you know, this might be different for others, but for me, the takeaway was I fire myself from the parts of the business where I really don't have to be there. And the things I keep, I keep knowing that, that that's, I'm keeping it because I want it and, and I want to do this, not because I have to. Yeah, like I just got a really big insight, which is thank you to Bernadette. <laughs> <laughs> Aside from the business is there to make money, the other thing that I really heard is it's it's a journey of looking at how you can step out. And and that's the piece that I'm nailing at the moment. But it's been really like it's been interesting. It's been a really long journey. It's taken me, well, when did I start? 14 years actually. There's been a lot of stuff, I guess, around it. But I even see with clients sometimes who have a small team you know, maybe they have a team of four or five, that they're still in the business, even regardless of, 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 of the team that they have that's supposed to alleviate that for them. Yeah. What is going on? Like, what are some of the beliefs that we have that are stopping us from seeing that right from the outside and go, you know, this is not about me, actually. This is about being able to have more impact and for me to be able to step out. So I'm curious, like what you've seen in terms of the beliefs that we have that stop us from doing that, because that makes so much sense to me now. Mm. Um, codependency is a big part of it. <laughs> Great. <laughs> most most so-called business owners are in a codependent relationship with their business. So they, they, can't, they can't leave the business because the business couldn't survive without them. The business wouldn't survive without them. 
but also they can't leave the business because if they walked away, they would be cutting off a source of income that they rely on for their personal survival. So that that's why so many people running small businesses are finding out this dream is turned into a nightmare because you're it's it's a code it's a codependent cycle. So um, if you want the short answer, <laughs> but then that then I personally think that that pattern of codependency can play out inside of the business also. So um, I had a breakthrough session with someone recently who helped me. I was the the client. She was the the coach. And she helped me to see that um, in my business, I had some challenging relationships inside of my business with team members that were basically replays of codependent family patterns from childhood. So that's my longer answer. (laughs) You probably want me to shut up now. (laughs) (laughs) No, not at all. I'm really curious about it because why wouldn't we want that? Like, why wouldn't we want to have that freedom? And why do we have it at a cost where it's like that codependency? But I'm curious, what are we getting from that codependency? Why is it so valuable to us in the first place? Well, I'm I'm not, despite my extensive personal experience in codependent relationships in, in my business and my life, um, I'm sadly not an expert on codependency. So I, but I, can, I mean, I'll, I'll speak from my experience. You know, why do people get into codependent relationships? Well, because you're getting some payoff. There's a payoff. And so, like, I think what's coming to mind as you're, you're describing the situation in business is there's a need to be needed. Yeah. I, I, I know not now, but there was a, there was a part, there was a stage in my business because it will happen not just with team members, but with clients also. And there was a point in my business where, um, my relationship with clients was about me somehow saving them or rescuing them that I, I had an emotional need to be their hero, to be their savior. You know, now I can see, well, they didn't need saving. Nobody needs saving everybody's got, you know, their own, their own resources, their own power. And, but if you have that as a need, you are unconsciously sending out like a, an energetic advertisement going, hello, (laughs) I have a need to be needed. So can I please um, attract in now all needy people, right? (laughs) You're not going to put that on a Facebook ad, but energetically that's what you're sending out and that's who you'll call in. So, and and in my experience, like as I have started to identify and clean up those patterns in my own uh, personal journey, like I I know I send out a different vibe now. And, and, you know, I attract, um, you know, different, you know, different clients, different types of clients. Yeah. What I heard in what you just said was, um, do you want freedom or do you want a job? And and that's really, it comes down to it is, do you want the freedom? Do you really want it? Do you really want to be able to do what you want with your time? Um, and I guess there's lots of people, including myself, by the way, who, when we first started out, we wanted to create more freedom and time, but we never really thought about how we could do it. Like mm. we just went into it. Oh, I just want to earn money from this. As opposed to going, hang on a second how does the business model need to look for me to have that freedom I want right from the outset so that I can work towards creating that instead of this dependency? Yeah. And it's, uh, I, there's something I just noticed that I have to sort of reflect back to you, which is twice now you've talked about when you've talked about business, you've talked about business in order to make money. And I just want to point out to you that there are some highly successful business people. For example, Richard Branson is one. Yeah. Who would say you don't start a business to make money. Start a business to make a difference. Start a business to solve a problem that needs solving and trust that as you do that, the money's going to show up. Cool. Thank you for that. I guess. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> and, I, and I know that you do want to make a difference. Yeah, I know yeah, that yeah. you do. Like you've never ever struck me as being, do you remember loads of money? Do you remember him? Harry Enfield. <laughs> yeah. 
loads of money. <laughs> he's got a lot of he's got a lot to answer for, hasn't he? Printing that on our collection. It's like you back in the eighties or nineties, whatever it was. Um, but like you're not that clearly. Um, so anyway, I got distracted. Then what was I? What was I going to? That was what I wanted. What was the question you asked me before I said that? You remember? I don't know, Bernadette. You know, like I'm just so in the moment with these things. Like, I can't actually remember. <laughs> well, we were talking about oh, the plan. Yes, yeah. yeah. So, have you heard the story of the Mexican? It really doesn't matter if you have or not, because I'm going to tell it anyway. That <laughs> you might. It's nice for me to check in. You heard the story about the Mexican fisherman? Yes, I have, but tell it anyway. Yeah, okay. So this um, successful stockbroker is taking vacation in, Mex- in, on a Mexico, in Mexico and he's on the beach and he sees a fisherman bring in his uh, little boat up and he has a catch for the day and uh, it's a really great catch. And the businessman, the stockbroker, says to the fisherman, that's a really good catch that you got there. How long did it take you? And the fisherman says, well, it only took me a couple of hours. And the businessman says, well, you know, if you did that in a couple of hours, imagine what you could do in a whole day. And in fact, if you were to be able to get those sorts of hauls, you could end up getting a bigger boat. In fact, you could even hire people to, uh, to go out. And uh, the fisherman said, well, then what, what would you do? Um, and... I'm sorry, I've jumped ahead in the story. I've really messed up the story. <laughs> Before they're talking about the catch, he says, well, what do you do with the rest of your day if you're not fishing? And he says, well, I, I sleep late and I, I come out and fish and then I spend time with my family and then in the evening I play guitar and then I go and make love to my wife. And so he's describing his life. And the, fish, the businessman is explaining that, you know, if he can do that in just a few hours, that he could scale it and he could scale a business and he could end up having like his, his own cannery and he could have this massive company that he could float on the stock market and uh, the fisherman says well what would I do then and he says well then you could sell and and uh, and you could retire and you could you could fish all day <laughs> <laughs> and I think um, despite my awful retelling of that story I clearly need more practice on that one um, the reason that you've heard of that story and I remember hearing it a long time ago and and I think the reason it resonates is because there's such a simple truth in that, that we are looking, we're looking for something that we actually do already have. Mm. And, and we think that we need to create these structures or these circumstances or go make things happen. And actually those are the things that are taking us away from the simple abundance that we all get to experience every day. And in my experience, the more I notice and align with that simple abundance, the easier it gets. And it's, it's definitely not either or. It's not like you have to go, well, I have to live this simple life in a hut, you know, as a practical hermit, you know, living off limited resources, or I can have this kind of scaled up blingy life. But um, in my experience, it's like the simpler I, I, I keep it, the more opportunities that emerge. And so I, for me, for me personally, um, the challenge that I am mastering is staying connected to the simple abundance and resisting, you know, the, the, the temptation that, you know, as soon as something starts working in my business, I want to create a job of it. No, I want to go and, and, and scale it up and add team and, and, and just add complexity that really doesn't need to be there. Thank you for that reminder, you know, Bernadette. It was funny, yesterday my partner and I were talking about the um, Mujica, who was the Uruguayan president. He was, he was president for about 10 years. And his way of, of, of being really kind of speaks to what you're saying. You know, he, he realized that, you know, he was, a, he was a president for the people and, you know, he had this big old house and he's like, I don't really need this, you know, like, what do I need this for? So anyway, he would invite people off the streets to come and hang out with him. Um, because he's like, well, it's pretty much empty. It's pretty big. So like, how can I help people? And then, um, he would, uh, you know, I don't, I can't remember. I think he went to some sort of 
EU thing and he spoke to uh, President Merkel and basically said, why do I need a limousine? I'm quite happy just to have a small car. And she's like, it's protocol. He's like, oh, okay. Um, and, it, and it, yeah, and he, he would walk around just in his, his, his clothes, like his normal clothes and give away pretty much 60, 70% of his money. And to me, what I heard in that was you don't need more. You just need to be happy with what you've got. Mm-hmm. That's it. Amen. Amen, sister. <laughs> so it feels like we've come full circle. We've asked, yes, yes, need to build a business, but actually be totally happy with what you've got. Because I guess in the end, what's the point of doing all of this if you're not enjoying the journey? If you're not enjoying it, like even the whole thing of, yes, I have this vision, I want to create something. But what's the point of doing all of that if the entire thing has been struggle, upset, killing yourself, when actually you can take time and it can be in a really enjoyable process of what you're learning and experimenting and, you know, having that curiosity of why it's not working and being open to the fact that it may not work and actually learn from that and grow from it. Yeah. Did you know the, the book or the movie like Water for Chocolate? Yes. Yeah. And um, when I cook a lot and uh, when I say to my children, what's the most important ingredient in cooking? They both chime, love. Because no. <laughs> I completely believe that's true, not just in cooking, but in any creative act and creating a business as an act of creation. That like what you're feeling as you are doing it mm. is an energy that affects the end result. And so... If you are building your business and you're building it with the energy of struggle, sacrifice, um, overwhelm, then it's going to play out in in the results. And so going back to that model we talked about earlier, talk, take action and observe your results. The opportunity is when you find yourself in those moments of going, this is feeling really difficult now, this is no longer feeling fun, is... It, that doesn't mean you have to give up completely. It just means, oh, there's an opportunity to course correct. Hmm. So I, let's say, for example, the, uh, in, in the business that, that I teach people to have, you, we create a lot of content, right? So content creation, the act of writing an article or doing a Facebook Live, that can be a huge source of pleasure, of sharing wisdom, sharing ideas, helping people. That can be fun and hugely enjoyable or if you've got a huge content calendar to fill and you you're feeling that you've got to turn it out it can become a job so it's the same it's actually the same action content creation and sharing but your attitude towards it can determine whether that's something which is joyful or 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 hard so it doesn't necessarily mean you need to stop con- content creating altogether but the question i would be asking is like one of the times when content creation is really fun and easy for me and how can I do more of that? And when is, you know, when, when, how quickly can I pivot? How quickly can I notice and course correct when it's become a struggle or hard work? Yeah, I really hear you. Um, and it's interesting because this whole thing with the podcast came from this very conversation I had with myself because I was finding that doing videos online and doing Facebook lives wasn't really, there was like, mm, no, like I love to write. So that's something that I do. And I, I do short bursts of writing every, every day or whatever. I really love doing that. But when, and then I was like, huh, what do I love to do? And I was like, well, I love to have conversations with really cool people. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, well, do more of that then. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And so you found a way to do that. And then you're also adding value because anybody that gets to listen in on a conversation like this, they get their insights, they get their takeaways. And, yeah. you know, you, you create momentum through doing that. Yeah. And it's been so much fun to find that, that sort of place, place. And I think there is one for everyone. It's not, there is a cookie cutter just because somebody has made it on video online doesn't mean that that's the right course of action for you. You might love to write or you might love to, um, have conversations like these, you know, podcasts might be right up your alley or something else that hasn't even been invented yet. 
Mm. You know, the course of creation is from nothing comes everything. So, you know, <laughs> like the facts and the, you know, download that <laughs> at one point didn't exist, right? Yeah. <laughs> they do now, but in museums. <laughs> <laughs> Along with the fax machine. <laughs> Bernadette what are you giving yourself permission to do more of these days like what is it that you are finding that you're like yeah what makes more sense to you to do more of these days and maybe you know a couple of months ago even yesterday that's giving you more joy so I'm really excited um that what I'm giving myself permission I'm giving myself myself permission to be more Mm. So I have realized that the more I am being me, the easier it gets. And actually, the more I get paid. And that's unhooking myself from like a long-term belief of I get paid for what I do or I get paid for the value I provide. Um, And so that's been quite exciting. So when you say being more of me what does that mean so it's every morning now I have a little morning ritual where I want to connect with the highest version of myself Mm. and as I think into my day and you know some days I might have an empty schedule some days I might have stuff with the kids sometimes I might have business things on my calendar but as I think into that to to look at how can I show up in all of those moments as the highest version of me? Beautiful. Well, that's a great question. That's a great question that I think we can leave on actually. <laughs> so Bernadette, if someone wants to contact you, they listen, they've gone, Oh my God. Yeah. I want a piece of her. <laughs> she's, she's the new Messiah. <laughs> Hello. how can they do that um the best place to come is come over to bernadettedoyle.com and i always have some type of uh interesting gift freebie I, i don't know what it will be by the time uh you know you land on that page but there will be something there um or come and check me out on my facebook page which you'll also be able to get to by bernadettedoyle.com well, awesome. Well, thank you so much, Bernadette. It's been, once again, truth bombs all over the place. Um, beautiful to connect with you again. And yeah, and for everybody else that's been listening in today, um, until the next time, bye-bye for now. Thank you, Marina. And there you have it. Another wonderful episode of The Joy of Being. If you loved what you heard here today and it's been helpful, why not subscribe or share the podcast with others? And if you're curious as to how you can experience more joy in your life and feel carefree, then I invite you to download your Joy Catalyst Scorecard at www.marinapearson.com slash scorecard, which will help you identify the joy gaps and what you can do to fill them. And remember, you can find me on Instagram at Marina Pearson or my Facebook group, The Joy of Being. So until next week's episode, remember... You are the joy you seek.